Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yesterday on Locked on Bucks. Frank asked a shocking question. What do you think is most likely to happen? with these guys but and let's talk about we were talking we've been talking about greg Monroe and tony snell they're they're probably the key guys obviously this summer what would you predict is is going to happen with those two guys today we hear eric's response i'm just playing that was really stupid all right so for today's episode of lockdown bucks it's gonna be the second part of our conversation yesterday uh where we were talking about kind of important free agent things, important off-season details, and we kind of set up the idea that Greg Monroe and Tony Snell are going to be very important for this off-season for the Bucks and their respective decisions. Greg Monroe has his own decision to make with a player option. Tony Snell, the Bucks can match as they will have his restricted free agent rights as long as uh, they offer as long as they put in the cap hold uh, that they need to put in and do all the things that they need to do as Frank broke down uh, with the cap and kind of all the cap space with the Bucks, But if they do the things that they need to do leading up to free agency, they will have Tony Snell's restricted free agency rights. So they will have the chance to match any offer that or match any offer sheet that Tony Snell has signed. So we will get into that. We'll try to figure out what their two values are respectively um, and kind of how that will affect the Bucks. So we'll get into all of that. Hopefully you enjoyed the first part of our conversation. This is the second part of our conversation. Here we go. So let me ask you. So if you were going to put on your, your, you know, your prognosticator's hat, what do you think is most likely to happen? with these guys. But and let's talk about we were talking we've been talking about Greg Monroe and Tony Snell. They're they're probably the key guys obviously this summer. What would you predict is is going to happen with those two guys? And and it's kind of interesting. I keep waiting for there to be some indication like it, it is, hasn't it been interesting how little sort of little there's been indicated as far as what Greg Monroe is actually going to do because I keep yeah, waiting for it I to agree. be like, "Oh, He's he's widely expected, you know, like Mark Stein or Woj just or anyone, to say just that, some reporter yeah. to say something in either direction. Yeah. So what what do you think is actually going to happen? Man, I, I've been I've been going back and forth on this one because Monroe again still not great defensively, but he was so improved this year defensively that part of me has to wonder that does he think that this is now sustainable and that he can do this or uh, does he know that this was a, a one-year thing and he needs to capitalize on this one year so there's that thought going through my head but then at the same time I'm thinking okay if he does want to capitalize who's going to give him that money and there's just so there's well we talked about it a little bit last week but the the money from this year or from last year to this year like last off season there was all this money out there was this funny money everyone had cash and didn't know what to do with it so we're going to spend it so everyone had that and i think it was Danny LaRue last week on the Dunk Down podcast said well there's going to be half as much money available to spend 
this season as compared to last off season. And, and and I think that kind of speaks to one just the insane just the total insane nature of last off season into the fact that this off season we're going to see teams probably be more frugal. And I don't know like I, as I try to figure out who could actually spend some of this money, I, I guess I probably look at like Char maybe I don't even know like there's Brooklyn that's got some money uh there's i don't know miami that has some money there's i don't even know who else in here sacramento has some money the sixers have a whole bunch of money like there's a couple teams out there but do any of them seem like teams that are are interested in greg monroe or any of those teams that think that that greg monroe would be a, a good signing at three years 45 like because I think three years forty five is probably his current value. That that seems about right. It's a, maybe a little bit on the overpay side, but I think you could convince yourself that having a sixth man as your big man, or having a big man as your sixth man, and have that guy just get buckets. And I mean, Greg Monroe feasts on second unit bigs. Like he's he's just so much more talented than those guys that I think that's probably his role for as long as he wants to remain in the league like maybe he does think he's a starter and maybe that's kind of why he would opt out and try to search for more money but uh, to me that seems like his ideal role and i think you'd probably play three for 45 for it and i as i start to think about it i, I just struggle to see a bunch of teams really really going for it and i don't know with the way Monroe has treated his entire career, we've talked about it a, a bunch of times in in the two years that Monroe has been here. Is he bets on himself all the time? Like, there's a reason this this deal was two years and a player option. There's a reason why he just took the qualifying offer in Detroit and didn't sign on longer term. Like, he always bets on himself, and he has a, a great amount of belief in himself. So, part of me just thinks that he'll sign up and get his money this year at what would it be just below 18 um, yep. and then see what happens next year when he's, he's a true uh, free agent and he can or I mean just test it again next year because that would be the way to bet on yourself and maximize your earnings because I don't think someone's going to give him a first year a first year salary in a longer term contract of 17 point eight or whatever it is like, like that just doesn't seem likely so if he wants to bet on himself again opt in play well again next year and then go get a bigger deal or get a get the same deal but you made five more million this year i, I don't know it, it, it's a strange thing but I, ultimately i'm thinking opt in but i really don't know i i I'm so I go back and forth every time I think about it. I think to me, so much of this comes down. I mean, it's kind of gets at what you're talking about. First question for me is: Is Greg Monroe happy with the Milwaukee Bucks? Is he happy with his experience? Is he excited about next year? Does he think that this team can, you know, again use him in a way where he's going to, you know, be used the way he wants to, and and he's not going to look at other situations and feel like he could be doing more elsewhere. And then does he have a good chance at, at being successful on the court? And so much of, I think, Greg Monroe's decisions previously has been around putting himself in a position both for himself as well as the team to win. And he obviously didn't think that Detroit was a good position, good place to be. And I think that was very justified with Drummond there. 
he obviously thought he could slide into Milwaukee as an up-and-coming team and, and that it could work out really well. It didn't the first year. It certainly did much, much more closely to probably what he was hoping the second year, although as a six-man, which I'm sure he probably wasn't expecting. Um, but, I mean, his agent, David Falk, is is not going to advise him to to make a decision on the player option without any, you know, without knowing what other teams are thinking. So I'm sure there will be canvassing of other teams as far as would you be interested in signing yeah. Greg if, if he opted out? And to your point, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, uh, on heathoops.com, uh, Albert Namad, he he runs a site. It, he's a heat guy, but he has just terrific uh, cap data on, on lots of teams, and he has a table uh, sort of estimating guaranteed salary and cap holds and sort of max cap room for all teams. And um, you kind of look through the whole league and you just kind of say, nope, 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 nope. You know, Portland, which was interested in Monroe a couple years ago, they have no cap room. The Knicks, who were interested in him a couple years ago, they could have some cap room. And Phil Jackson, who knows what Phil Jackson wants to do, so maybe Phil Jackson could could take another swing at Greg Monroe. <laughs> and you know, he forgets about Joakim Noah just sort of rotting on his uh, on his cap sheet, and Chris Porzingis sort of being miserable on his on his uh, rookie deal. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I just don't see any team that's going to offer. I don't, I don't see any team that's even going to offer him fifteen million a year, to be honest. Um, and so it's it does put him in a really precarious position because I'm sure that you know nobody wants to opt out of 18 and then take way less even if you do get multiple years. So my guess is that unless Greg was secretly or not secretly, but unless he was you know far less happy with the Bucks organization and where kind of where the you know where his role and things like that, then he let on if you know some of the Jason Kidd friction was was greater than you know, at least was evident sort of towards the end of the year. Obviously, there was the benching uh, early in the season, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if, if all of that was ever That's smoothed over. That's still the strangest moment of this box yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would guess they kind of arrive at the fact that, hey, we're not going to get $18 million next year. The Bucks, you know, gave him a taste of the playoffs. They feel like they're up and coming. Um, I'm guessing he probably feels at least pretty good about the, the team moving forward with Giannis and company. So my guess is he opts in. And in many ways, I think that might actually be potentially the best thing for the Bucks as well. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't. I mean, granted, you mean you could argue, well, if he opts out and then you sign him for less, that that may be good. But yeah. Um, but I, I view it again to the extent that in a lot of ways the future of of Greg and Jabari are sort of related in terms of you know committing money and and you know putting putting dollars behind a player that um you know guys who are more offensively inclined that maybe don't have the same defensive upside let's say um you don't want to have you know too many of those guys uh and so i i do think that that maybe it's a good thing or maybe it's or at least it's not a bad thing if the bucks do keep monroe for another year because to be honest i think the bucks offense especially to the extent that it the way jason kidd ran an offense the way joe prenti's offense revolved um around Monroe when he was in the game and, and sort of the skill set he has and the way the Bucks offense functions. Um, I think if Greg Monroe left, I think I think they would feel it a lot more on the offensive end than, than maybe they might hope they would. <laughs> if that, That's a weird way to say it. But um, but I think you they, they would be at risk of seeing an offensive drop-off if you lose Monroe from that second unit. Um, you could argue, well, maybe they'll be better defensively overall just because, you know, then they... You know, if if Henson and Maker are your two centers, for instance, and Jabari's hurt half the season, on paper you don't really have many slash any clear weak links defensively. Um, 
but I think in a lot of ways, uh, it might be best sort of from a transitionary standpoint that maybe especially while Jabari's hurt slash not going to be back to 100 percent all of next year, effectively, um, maybe having Greg Monroe running it back for another year is is sort of the safest way to do it. And then you sort of defer that decision for another year. Um, I, I don't know. Any any reactions to that or should we talk a little bit about Tony Snell before we have to sign off? No, I, I think uh, it's it's strange to me. I think everything kind of points to him opting in uh, just because that kind of seems to to be the best way to maximize earnings to maximize potential for wins uh, potential potential for success uh, at a team standpoint and i guess honestly to an extent success as an individual like the bucks would actually need and want his playmaking and creating like that would that's something <laughs> that if he leaves they're not really going to be able to fill back in because they just wouldn't uh, as we went over uh, earlier, they wouldn't have cap room, so they wouldn't be able to find a way to recreate that. So uh, I think there, there's a lot of signs that point to him opting in, but again, it, maybe that would be him admitting that maybe there's not something else better out there, and I don't know if he'll do that, but yeah, to me, it it seems like opt-in is kind of the the logical outcome for me yeah and and let, let's look at snell maybe a little bit because i think if greg Monroe opts in then the tony snell decision may also be impacted in part by by luxury tax considerations although again you know there are multiple contracts that they could potentially get off of um to to alleviate some of that but tony snell i feel like most of the time when we talk about tony snell it's you trying to rope me in into a what is tony snell going to get paid conversation yeah. and i and i hate having it because i just don't want to think about tony snell getting paid crazy amounts of money but let me ask you is if, if you had to put an over under at which point eric name if he was in john hammond slash whoever you know you want to ascribe <laughs> decision making a bit uh power at the Milwaukee bucks in the Milwaukee bucks front office where is the number at which and it's a spectrum obviously but where is the number at which eric name says uncle like in in terms of millions per year let's assume he gets a four-year deal what is the annual salary at which Eric Name says, you know what, Tony, really liked your contributions, but uh, sorry, man, can't, can't do it. I think $12 million and $1. <laughs> Up to 12 I'm probably okay, but you add one more dollar. Um, I don't know. that. Uh, to me, anything more than that, just, again, Tony Snell is great for this team. Like, don't, don't get me wrong there. Everyone raves about him. Everyone says he's the best teammate. Giannis loves him. Jabari loves him. Everyone on the team loves that guy. But his off-the-dribble creation is not zero, but awfully close to zero. He essentially only shoots catch-and-shoot threes. And as the season went on, he's maybe felt a little bit more comfortable and was able just to take a, a shot fake and a couple dribbles and attack the rim, which was kind of cool. But I, I wouldn't say we saw that consistently. Um, so the only thing he's adding is offensively is literally the ability to catch and shoot threes and pretty much nothing more than that. And granted, this year he shot 40% from three. Uh, I think in catch-and-shoot situations it was even higher, 45, maybe even a little bit higher than that. I'd have to double-check that number. But that's what he adds offensively. Defensively, 
this is where I I really get kind of uncomfortable with Tony Snell because <laughs> really <laughs> like so he gets the number one assignment. He always has it, right? right? Like he has right. the best player, but he doesn't stop him. Obviously, <laughs> no, no. There, there's he's not on record as stopping anyone. So he's by covering the best player, and I think he does a good job. Like, don't get me wrong. So he does a good job on the best player, and that allows Chris Middleton and Giannis Dedekumbo to go off ball where they excel. So the thing I struggle with is he's undoubtedly a good defender. The length is great. The The ability to switch is very helpful. But, man, I'm paying $12 million a year for a guy that for him to stand still offensively and shoot threes and defensively to get lit up every night. Like that's essentially what I'm paying him for. And, and that just seems like, like a real struggle to me because I, those two things are very helpful to this Bucks team in particular. But I have to ask, is there someone else out there that can do that cheaper? Because I almost think there is, right? Yeah, well, it's it's tough because not only is is I mean, we, we should add not only is Tony Snell absorbing assignments that that otherwise Chris Middleton might have to take or, or Giannis might have to take, but also that Malcolm Brogdon or, or Matthew Delvadova might have to take, yep. right? Some of the some of the more athletic uh, point guards like Russell Westbrook, you know, Snell. Snell was Snell was a guy that that took on those guys as well, which which is a value. It's, and it's interesting because I, I agree. I mean, Snell's defensive metrics, you know, he doesn't he doesn't really do much in the box score defensively, um, which on its own isn't, you know, a, a huge condemnation given he's more of a positional defender. He's not a rebounder, but he's also not like a steals and blocks guy. Um, but, you know, the, his his RPM number, the real plus minus number, which kind of tries to tease out a guy's effect on both ends. Um, he doesn't stand out in that regard. Uh, the team's on off rating with him this year defensively, you know, doesn't paint him as, as a great sort of defensive player. And again, a lot of that is probably because, you know, for the most part, except in the playoffs when they were going, uh, with, um, a lot of times he didn't play late in games, um, in fourth quarters. Cause they would try to go, you know, especially late in the year with, with two ball handlers, but, um, but he's out there. And I didn't you know, even get into and, that. I didn't even yeah. get into that. Cause that's yeah. a whole thing too. Right. But I mean, I don't hold that necessarily. I don't, I didn't agree with that so much. So I don't hold that against Tony Snell. Right. I mean, if Jason Kidd does, isn't willing to play him over Delhi or Brogdon late in games, it, when you, it then, speaks then, to a greater problem though. Like, is it you, Jason Kidd's problem though? Or is it, Tony? I mean, I don't know. It, Offensively. I feel like I want as many creators on the floor. Yeah. And Tony Snell is not that guy. But I mean, I would also say this, like, especially if you have Greg Monroe on the court and Giannis and Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon, like, do you Correct. need yes. Matthew, Matthew totally, yeah. do you, No, you know, I, I totally agree. I'm just saying that there could legitimately be a reason for that. Like, it, yeah. again, we might not agree with it, but the reason why it occurred, I think, is quite obvious. And you can kind of see why someone may think that I should bench Tony Snell in this situation. Again, we didn't agree with it, but there could be an underlying problem there. Yeah, and I think the other piece, and again, so much, it, it's it's interesting. It seems like both of these conversations about Monroe and Snell, it's interesting how often it comes back for me to Jabari Parker and what do you expect Jabari Parker's role to be on this team? Because if Jabari Parker is a guy that you expect to come back and be a starter and hopefully a high-level starter for you, then Tony Snell is coming off the bench. And, you know, he can still play 
a good number of minutes because he can play the two and he can play the three. And he obviously becomes your, your, you know, um, most obvious guy to be playing the majority of, of swingman sort of backup minutes. But if Parker comes back, you know, Tony Snell goes from a 30 minute guy to potentially a 20, 22, I don't know, something like that minute per game yeah. guy. And, and that matters. So I think any deal you sign Snell to has to be sort of bench proof, if that makes sense. And totally I think this, agree. and I think a lot of this, you can, you should all, I think you should, this is something you should apply to any free agent you sign it, which is, what is sort of a downside scenario in terms of this guy's just his playing time, right? And I think it, it mattered for Delhi last summer, right? It wasn't like Delhi's a guy that's going to start no matter what. I I think mm-hmm. the, I really first thought about this when when Ersan Zelisova got the the quote unquote big contract when it was like five years with an option like forty million or something. You know, it was like basically like eight 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 million a year, which yeah. at the time seemed like a lot. And the big question for me with Ersan was, well, it's fine and good when he's shooting forty percent from three and playing, you know. 25 30 minutes per game um but what if you know he falls off a little bit and then he's not a starter and then he's a 15 to 20 minute per game guy you know how do you feel about the contract at that point point? Yeah. and with ursan you know the, the cap went up so much that it almost didn't really matter what his contract anymore but i think it's a good thing to apply because you want to look at you know if guys is a stone cold lock to start no matter what then that's important because it means that he can, you know, sort of like inning eaters in baseball, right? Right? Like, you know, it means that you feel good about yep. him getting minutes, even if he's not playing at a super high level with Snell. Well, what if he shoots 33% from three next year and is a 15 to 20 minute per game guy, right? If you give him four, 14 million a year, then suddenly you're thinking, shit, man. Like, you yeah. know, like I, I wish we had just rolled the dice on, you know, pick your, your random you know, Ben shooting guard guy. Um, so I, I, I would say given all the uncertainty around Jabari, given the fact that I think Snell's versatility defensively will give him minutes, regardless of whether or not he starts sort of down the road. Um, I, I don't mind going, I, I, well, I would rather not, but I, I could see the bucks going higher than, than the number you mentioned 12, maybe it's 13, maybe it's 14 million a year, but man, those are scary numbers, and I think if you go, oh. and if you go to those numbers, you absolutely need to get rid of one or two of these other, you know, kind of fringe rotation guys who are making eight figures per year. And obviously, you know, on the, with the current roster, you know, you look immediately at at Teletovic and Delavadova, who, or sorry, Teletovic and Henson. Certainly, Del Deli is sort of also part of that conversation. But um, you know, Henson. And again, so much of his competitive Monroe's back. If he's not, then you know you can tolerate paying Henson eleven million per year more easily. But um, but in the grand scheme of sort of your cap and rationalizing your cap structure, um, you know if if you get, and I think whatever happens with Snell, I think he will get probably eight figures this year. And I don't think he's a lock to get fourteen because I just think when you run down, it's it's not like Monroe where you just literally can't find any team that's going to offer him fifteen million a year or maybe even yeah. ten million a year. Um, I think there are a lot more potential suitors for Tony Snell, but I'm sure there are also a lot of teams that are going to look at him through the same lens that we're looking at him through. And, you know, again, a team like Brooklyn, they have a lot of cap space, but he's not going to be their first choice. Right. And, and so I think so much of it's going to have to be, you know, I I think if you're, if you're a Bucks fan, the first, you know, during that moratorium period where restricted free agents can't technically sign offer sheets where they can only negotiate, but everybody else is effectively agreeing to contracts, the unrestricted guys, 
you better hope that all these teams that have a ton of cap space that might need a wing shooter, <laughs> that all of them find other options and yeah. they sign unrestricted free agents and that all that cap space kind of vanishes. Um, and I'm sure it's not a coincidence that, that John Hammond was sounding so firm about him being back because, again, um, I think the league has actually sort of tried to discourage teams from being very overt in sort of the will-match-any-offer type stuff because it discourages other teams from even pursuing guys. But I'm sure that that is, will be a factor in, in you know teams' willingness to go uh, and, and provide offer sheets because I think now in the new CBA, it's only a 48-hour waiting period. It used to be, you know, I mean, back in the day, it used to be a week, I think, that you had to match, which tied up cap dollars for a long time, which meant, again, it was really only for sort of teams that had struck out and didn't have many options left. But um, I think certainly he's a guy that that if a team believes in what they saw from Tony Snell last year, maybe they say, look, 3 and D wing, you know, if he's anywhere close to as good as he was last year, he will still, he'll still be movable even if he's making $12 million a year, $13 million a year, whatever it might be. So um, so hopefully Tony wants – I'm sure he wants to come back. Um, he probably feels good about sort of the evolution he's seen in his, in his game and in his role in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, like I said, if if you can get him for four years, $40 million, um, or even shorter, you know. I mean, I don't think you need to feel like you have to get Snell for four years necessarily. No. Um, give him give him you know three years plus a player option you know for for less money or something like that that would be fine with me um hopefully hopefully they can find a number that that isn't uh isn't too crooked a number because again i think again if he if he's not going to be a guy that is going to be a starter the way he was in the second half of this season if he's going to be a little bit more reduced minutes guy then again you have to think is that contract sort of bench proof and it, and it's funny i, I guess uh now I kind of start to look at these things in the frame of Toledovich and Delvadova. Like you signed those guys uh, to their deals last year, and you, again, I, I think both of us before free agency started said, "Okay, if you're going to sign some of these guys, keep the deal shorter." And the reason to keep those things shorter is in case something bad happens, like in case that it doesn't work out, they don't fit and they go to those bench minutes. And uh, I don't know, like Toledovich struggling to play some nights at 10 and a half, like, man, that's brutal. Same thing with Henson. Like th- those, those two contracts are brutal because they're not even contributing bench wise. And, and I, I guess at least with Tony Snell, with all the things that he does well, i I think you can feel confident that he'll at least, he won't be picking up DNPs. Like I, I feel confident saying that. Like even if he is in a bench role, his defense is good enough that he'll always kind of see the floor. He's versatile enough that he'll always see the floor at least some. But yeah, it, it you you do have to protect yourself from the the problem that maybe. I mean, it could the same thing could happen this year where you draft a guy in the first round and then all of a sudden halfway through the year you're like, oh, this guy is as long and athletic as Tony Snow and he's very good and maybe he can create a little bit off the dribble and maybe we should play him over Tony Snell like that that could very well happen I'm not going to say it's likely but if we are talking about things hitting right and having more talented players and making sure that that first round pick hits well maybe it's a guy on the wing that does some of those same things that Tony Snell does and if all of a sudden you have to move him down to 20 minutes a game and he's getting paid 14 mil like ugh that's pretty brutal. Yeah, and and it's fascinating. We've had this huge conversation about Tony Snell and the shooting guard position and, you know, guys who, if only they can just make jump shots and play some defense, and we haven't talked at all about Rashad Vaughn. You know, we we, we only talked about in the context of earlier the Bucks' lack of sort of Ooh, obvious... I don't- 
I don't know. I I said last week that you know if you got to pay a certain number, I might take my chances with Rashad Vaughn. And a couple people mentioned that on Twitter and said, "Oh, you're going to take your chance with Rashad Vaughn." And I said, "Oh, man, <laughs> let me think about that for a little bit." Well, it's 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 tough though, right? Because I think it's you know, a real Rashad, conversation. Yeah, I mean, Rashad, it's tough because Rashad Vaughn is 20 years old, right? And and Tony Snell was a guy that you know the Bulls entire Bulls fan base just you know, crapped on for multiple years. And he was their MCW. He was their MCW. And now they have actual MCW. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Tony Snell was, was just put through the ringer for, for years and years in Chicago by, by that fan base. And Rashad Vaughn, I mean, he had a golden opportunity this year to, to earn real rotation minutes and he wasn't ready for it. Right. I mean, he had, he had some games where he actually looked yep. like an NBA player um defensively i think he looks much more much more you know like an nba player than he did as as a rookie um he had you know more indications of having some offensive game but for the most part he's looked very limited um in that sense and and obviously nobody's sort of looking at at him and saying wow you know he still has a, a lot of upside right i think as young as he is i don't necessarily see much upside in his game in terms of like well-roundedness but he's 20 years old. You know, I mean, that's the crazy part, right? He has five years to get to where Tony Snell was last year. But the problem is, how long do you really want to wait around and and give a guy, you know, roster spot when he really isn't contributing anything? And when, you know, you can sign Jason Terry off the street and Terry's going to give you great locker room leadership and is going to be clearly a better NBA basketball player, even at the age of 39. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't know, the, the thing that's always interesting to me is that, uh, kind of since the moment he was drafted, I said, well, maybe he doesn't have to be a scorer. Maybe he doesn't have to be a guy that relies on all these other things. Maybe you can get him into the role where he's just a 3 and D guy. And, and part of me wonders, again, I didn't watch enough Bulls to know anything about Tony Snell, but this year the Bucks, from every indication I've gotten, just told Tony Snell, okay, go stand on the wing, and Giannis is going to make some series of movements and he's going to get you open, and you catch the ball, and you shoot the ball. And to me, that's always seemed like Vaughn's biggest hurdle offensively is he doesn't have that that decisiveness that, okay, I'm supposed to be a good shooter. Again, he only shot 32% from three this year. But I'm supposed to be a good shooter. I should catch the ball, and I should shoot it. And like I, he doesn't have a ton of upside, but man, if all of a sudden he morphs into a 40% shooter like Tony Snell did this year, because Tony Snell was also struggling from the three-point line before that, okay, a guy that appeared to be more ready defensively, that has good wingspan and length for shooting guard, okay, I I think you could convince me in a world where everything goes right that Rashad Vaughn could give you what Tony Snell gave you this year in two years. Like I could be convinced of that. Again, a number of things have to go right, but he's got the frame. He's got uh, it. Seemingly, he's always seemed to be a good shooter. His form looks good. Obviously, it hasn't been going in at the right level. But uh, part of me always wonders: like, is it just better to to take a flyer on that guy to turn out than it would be to to pay Tony Snell exactly? what we were talking about whether it's 13 or 14 million to pay a, a guy maybe a little bit too much to do some some roles that 
you might be able to get for for bottom dollar. Yeah, I think the big problem with Rashad Vaughn is, you know, you mentioned 32% from three this year. That That's what Snell shot as a rookie in the next two years, 37% and 36% from three before this year going up to 40.6%. So, you know, with Snell, there was kind of a clear progression to him being kind of an average, slightly above average two-point shooter in the two years before he came to Milwaukee and MMC shot very well this year. Yeah. Um, and then also shot much better from two-point ranges, as we've mentioned, even though he obviously doesn't doesn't take very many shots. There, there were a few late seas. I mean, there are a few kind of put the ball, you know, straight line drives, Tony Snell dunking on dudes. Yeah, um, Let's not forget that. Absolutely. But you mentioned catch and shoot. So catch and shoot, Tony Snell this year, 42.2% on threes on catch-and-shoot opportunities. He shot 329 threes on catch-and-shoots. Obviously, that was his predominant um, you know, type of, of three-point shot. Rashad Vaughn this year, <laughs> um, and by the way, he took 355 total threes. So basically, all of his three-point attempts were, were catch-and-shoot. Um, Rashad Vaughn this year. 66 threes on catch and shoots hit 19 out of them that's 28.8 percent i mean that Giannis hit 28.8 percent that's that's, brutal and Giannis is you know among guys who took a a decent volume Giannis is literally one of the worst three-point guy shooters in percentage terms in the league so again the problem with Vaughn is it's not just like well he's just got to get better it's like no he's got to (laughs) get not horrendous first right and and so again how long kind of are you are you going to wait on that and um, and I think with Snell, too, you know, it, it's difficult because you look at this roster and I think over the next year, one of the key things that has to happen is, you know, you see some of the contracts on this roster. And the reason why the Bucks, you know, it, I think it catches some people by surprise because Giannis and Chris are your two highest paid players and they're underpaid. So I think a lot of people then look <laughs> at that and say, well, you should be in great shape. You, you should be in great shape. You should have cap space. You, know, you should have all these things. And the problem is, you know, okay, well, you're paying solid money, good money to, you know, none of your other kind of rotation guys other than the guys on rookie deals are underpaid, right? And and Henson's making 11, Toledovich is at 10.5, I mean, that that three through five, the fact that three through five, you're paying 30 plus million dollars for Henson, Toledovich, and Delvadova, and all those dudes have struggled to see the floor at times in the last year. Like, that's... Right. That's a major problem. Or or at least Delhi at times should have struggled to see the floor. Correct. Um, but uh but yeah, it, it's absolutely something that, that you need to figure out. If I mean if you could wipe one of Henson and Toledovich off the books, or if you could, you know, get rid of both guys, um, then then I think the Bucks cap sheet looks infinitely better, right? That's how you could potentially start to talk about having that kind of max level cap space. And and I don't know. I think it'll be very interesting to see if that's something they try to do this summer. Or, or what did they try to do? We saw, you know, a couple years ago they moved uh, Ursan early in the summer uh, before free agency into cap space, or I think it might have been trade exception or cap space with the Pistons. Um, and so they, they were able to free up a bunch of money, and that led to the Monroe move, although they would have been able to do something similar regardless. But, um, but yeah, it'll be an interesting time. I think um, I think if you're going to look at the Bucks' decision-making, I think they're they're the guys that that have sort of decisions to make. Monroe, his player option. Snell, his restricted free agency. Um, but then there's the stuff that the Bucks can do sort of outside of that, and I think that's looking at some of these contracts, uh, existing contracts on the roster. And I think especially with Jabari out, I think there's – obviously, as, as citizens of the Toledovich Archipelago, I think we'd probably be happy to see them retry – um, to to figure out Mears' role next Play year, and, with Giannis. yeah, or or just you know 
try, you know, especially if you lose some centers <laughs> for once, you know, maybe you could see some of those kind of small lineups with Giannis and Mears at the four or five. Or, you know, I mean, especially if Beasley wasn't back, um, you know, playing playing Mirza as the backup for while Jabari's out in particular. Yep. You know, again, that would be an obvious other way to do it. But anyway, I'm sure we'll talk about more scenarios kind of as we move <laughs> forward. But hopefully, hopefully, I don't know. I'm sure this has left some people even more confused. But I think the bottom line is the Bucks have some decisions to make. They have some trade-offs to make. And they don't have much cap space to work with. So that's why we haven't talked about signing any other free agents, uh, any outside free agents yet. We'll get around to some of that, but I think it'll be tough to really speculate too much on that yeah. until we know more about what happens with, with Monroe and Snell, because if both of those guys come back at, you know, again, Snell with a big raise Monroe at what he's making right now. Um, yeah, you're, you're probably going to be pretty close to the luxury tax and again, that's when getting rid of one of those other deals would be very important in terms of giving you the flexibility to do something else. It's going to be an interesting offseason, Frank, but unfortunately, it may only be interesting for like 10 days from the draft on, what is the draft, the 22nd? Yep. And that's the same night that Monroe and his option um, occur, so maybe we'll find out about Monroe shortly before that that's often the case that you you kind of find out whether guys opt in or opting out um earlier but that could very well turn into from the 22nd to the start of free agency on July 1st like 22nd to the 3rd that could be pretty much all of the action of this buck summer because there's not a bunch of other things out there or maybe we have it totally pegged wrong, and they're going to be super active and make a bunch of trades that open up space and allow them to do other things. But yeah, that I, I like, like you said, I, I think it's important to lay out that the Bucks, as currently constituted, with the decisions that we believe are currently going to affect them, don't really have a lot of those other options. And um, we've largely stayed away from talking about other free agents because at this point, with the space that they have. I don't know that it would make a lot of sense. Um, so, again, we'll see kind of how the summer progresses, how things move. Um, but this, uh, I think, served as as a good base for that summer. So that's going to be it for us. Um, this ended up going much longer than we, than we thought it might. We split it into a couple parts, and hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, but for Frank Madden, this has been Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you some other time.